About two months ago, Josh came and said, hey, would you be willing to do a series about sex? And I was like, fine, that's great. I like sex. And so I started putting together the, the material. And here's what I began to realize is that if we do a series on, you know, intimacy, right? I try to keep it PG, is um, what usually happens is what we'll talk about is all the ways that, uh, that you get into those arguments as a couple, and they happen regularly. But here's what I find is that most of the time, the arguments, even if we don't know how to say it, what the wife says in those arguments is basically she's trying to say, even if she doesn't say it very well, is I really need to be loved well. I need to feel safe and secure and honored in this relationship, and I need an environment where I feel safe and loved. And your husband is usually not great at doing that. Husbands don't know how to say this. They usually say things like frequency. What they actually are feeling that they don't know how to say is, I need to be in a home where I feel desired and respected. But they don't know how to say that. And so we get into these crazy cycles of arguments about the subject. And we could talk about the intimate act. We could do series on that. But here's what I think. That's the icing on the cake. And if we don't know how to make cake, if you just went to a party and they just served icing, it would be kind of awesome for a little bit, right? But then you would feel so sick to your stomach and you'd be like, isn't this supposed to go with cake, right? So why don't we spend two weeks talking about how to actually develop a culture or the cake of your relationship? We've called the series Honor and Desire. If I could change it, what I want to actually talk about today is the idea of love and respect. Love and respect. A lot of the research I've done over the past couple of weeks is there's going to be some things I'm going to say today that some guys are not going to like. I'm going to say some things today that all the ladies are not going to like. Just kidding, most of you. Uh, but what I want you to know is if you don't like what I have to say today, blame Jesus, A. If you don't want to blame Jesus, blame the Godman Institute for Marriage. If you don't want to blame them, blame Dr. Larry Crabb. If you don't want to blame him, blame Dr. Emerson Exrich. Uh, and the 20, 30, 40, 100,000 couples they've all worked with that say that this is true. But here's what I know, this being the fourth time we spent some time talking about this this weekend. You're going to feel uncomfortable and hopefully maybe a little convicted what I share today. But what I think is going to happen is your soul is going to whisper into your ear. That's true. And that's my prayer today. Because we really want to be loved and respected in our homes. And the reality about that is this. Women were naturally made to love. Within a feminine culture, you love each other very well. I've been noticing this late recently as I watch ladies talk to ladies. You guys encourage each other so well when you meet each other. And you say, you look so good today. That's a great color on you. Look at that dress, right? Guys don't do that. We walk out, we're like, hey, hey. We don't even say words, right? It's just sound effects. Naturally, ladies, you love well. You nurture you bring life and nourishment to each other. Men, we don't love very well. It's unnatural to us. We do respect pretty well, though. The, 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 the male culture is one of honor and respect. We do that all right. But as we get into a marriage, what we realize is that God has actually created us different. But if we'll learn to love and respect one another, we'll create an environment that actually brings out the best in each other and actually allows one another to reflect to the world the very unique character of God in our life. But most of the time, we don't do that. We get on what Dr. Emerson calls the crazy cycle. Let's jump on this, 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 uh, this, this uh, diagram here, okay? 
So the crazy cycle is a combination of, of the fear and disrespect or love and, or, and, and respect that we need mixed in with what uh, we're going to talk about next week, which is what uh, Dr. Eggs, uh, Eggrich calls, um, no, no, what Dr. John uh, Gottman calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your marriage. <laughs> Doesn't that sound great, right? Which are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. We all do this. In fact, most of us have a PhD into it. And let me show you how this works in your marriage and in my marriage. And trust me, it's the fourth time around. And you're all, by the end of my illustration, now are going to go, does he have cameras in our house, right? Here's how a Wednesday works at your house. You wake up in the morning. The wife wakes up a little early before the man, and she's got some deep thoughts in her mind. And she's just wondering, does he still love me like he used to? She's just laying there thinking this. He wakes up thinking, I mean, it's 6.30, but no better time than the present, right? So he rolls over. He hasn't showered in a day, and, and he's not shaved, you know, shaved. He forgot to brush his teeth, so he smells like he's chewed stale food. There's just bad. Everything is bad on him, okay? But he rolls over to see if he can wake her up. How you doing, honey, whatever? And maybe he tries a couple things. Who knows what's going to happen in the morning, right? And he doesn't realize that he is married to a ninja, all right? It's somehow, I don't know how ladies do it, but it's, a, it's like a ninja thing. Like the guy's like, how are we doing? What's going on? It happens so quickly. You don't know what's happening with it. And the wife is immediately feeling disrespected because she's like, I, I'm not a pen cushion or like a squeezy toy. So I don't know what just happened. I was wondering if you love me and then this whole thing happened in your breath and things, all right? And she feels fearful and kind of unloved in that moment, but she responds with criticism. Are you, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Right? Brush your teeth. You didn't even shower. You're gross. Ah! Oh! Right? And she walks off. The husband immediately receives that as disrespect. So he gets defensive. Why is this trying to, you said you want to be more loving stuff. Oh! Right? And he walks off. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday. Right? Then you go to work, and ladies, I know how it is. You get to work, and it's lists upon lists of task upon task of work and kids and stuff and friends, and it's just ongoing all day, no edgewise thought about anything other than all the tasks. Men, we go to work, a lot of stress, a lot of stuff. You got lists, you got quotas, sales, this, blah, 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 whatever, a lot of stress. But every, like, 15 to, like, 20 seconds, you can, everyone, you'll get to that thought where you're like, you know, icing on the cake is good. Maybe later tonight could be good. Okay, that's back to work, right? Then you get home. You get home 15 minutes after you texted her that you would get home at three o'clock, right? Three o'clock. Hey, babe, really on top of it today, be home at five on the dot. She receives the text and thinks, probably not because you're always late, but let's just see if you could pull it off today. You don't because you don't know how to manage time. So you show up 15 minutes late. Within the 15 minutes you've been late, she has felt scared, fearful that she doesn't matter and her needs don't matter and maybe you can't keep your word. And if you loved her well, you would do what you said you would do and you would know that five, like from like four, maybe 3.30 to five, especially if you have little kids, like from, from school home to dinner time is absolutely hell on earth in your home, right? And if he knew anything about and cared or loved you, he would show up on time to make sure that didn't go terrible, which he didn't. And guess what else he didn't do? The laundry told you to do. The yard looks like garbage. This isn't happening. Oh, and great, look, Billy pooped his pants. So all of that has happened in 15 minutes. 
shows up 15 minutes late, hoping when he shows up, maybe he's going to receive a, from his kids, dad's home, right? And his wife will be there and she'll be like, honey, how was your day? Can I take your iPad for you and sit down? Whatever in his thoughts that's going to happen. What happens is he busts in 15 minutes later than he said he was going to be late. His wife spins around and he doesn't know that she has installed laser beams into her eyeballs and just... He sees them and they begin searing a hole into his core of being. And he opens the door and she says, oh, you decided to come home, did you? 15 minutes before, where have you even been? You didn't text, you didn't call. Oh, you did text at three when you said you'd be on time, but you're not on time, you're late, like you're always late because you don't do what you say you're gonna do because look at the laundry, look at the yard. Guess what? Billy pooped his pants, you can help with that. In fact, you're worse than Billy, okay? I don't know if you're even better than the kids. It's like I'm living with six kids, not five, because of you and your inability to do anything that you say you're gonna do. Just, oh! And the husband just walked in and he's going like this. He doesn't know how to emotionally deal with the disrespect he disreceived because actually no one has spoken to him that disrespectfully today. He doesn't know how to deal with that emotionally, so he skips on to the secondary emotion, which is anger. He gets defensive. Well, maybe if you would, you blah, 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 blah. He's yelling, whatever. The kids are like, what is happening? Screams and yells, says what he needs to say, which hurts his wife even more. Then he stonewalls her by saying, whatever. And he walks to his man cave or the garage or to go do a project and shuts down, which causes her to feel more fear and disconnection, which just keeps the crazy cycle going. We get through dinner and somehow the, bed, the bedtime routine with the kids, which is absolutely World War Twelve. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, you think to yourself, I think I might take a shower for the first time this week. When your husband hears the shower come on, he thinks she's about to be naked. So why don't I mosey upstairs and try to deliver one of my lame pickup lines to see if it works out? Which she receives as, have you not been in this chaos since you got home 15 minutes late? Have you noticed that I didn't stop since you got home? Do you pay attention or see me at all? No, you don't. Slam the bathroom door. He's like, whatever, I'm going to go play video games or whatever, okay? And then he gets defensive and he goes down to the basement to play video games and scene. There's Wednesday of your marriage. How many of you guys are engaged in the house today? Anybody engaged? All right, you, all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> My hope after the next two weeks is you still want to get married, all right? Because I tell you what, none of us signed up for marriage to be as confused and frustrated and sometimes unfulfilled as we currently are. But we get on that crazy cycle and that's just a regular Wednesday, let alone if we add in financial woes, sickness, betrayal, broken trust, like some major life issues. And it really, really, really gets scary. But what if we could find a way to, to get off the crazy cycle and love and respect each other the way that God has created us 
to be loved and respected because that's what we really wanted, wasn't it? Didn't we? We got married because we wanted to experience just a little bit of what it could feel like to find someone that would love us and respect us the way that God loves us and respects us so that we could feel at peace enough to become the person God created us to be. <clears throat> she was made for respect. Nope, sorry. She was made for love. He was made for respect. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul ends his, his famous little uh, scripture verses about marriage, which we'll dive into in a minute, with this line that sums up the whole thing. It's, it's the foundation for the next two weeks. Listen to this. So again, I say each man must, 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 must. The word is must. It's a command. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must, 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 it's a command, respect her husband. So I say again, each man must love his wife and the wife must respect her husband. You see, women, you were made for love. That's why we as men are commanded to love you. We're just not very good at it. To be a biblical woman, to what that means to be biblically feminine, means that, that you are open and that you, that you are open to, to, to invite in and to nourish and to bring life to others. That's what a woman does. And you show me a woman fully alive in her femininity. She is a woman who feels so safe and so secure in her father's, her heavenly father's unconditional love of her and of her, of people around her that love her, that she is open and confident and feels safe enough to invite people to experience her love. Men are created by God to remember and to move. What it means to be masculine, there's a weightiness to it. Where God has called us to move and to enter into people, relationships, and situations. To see truth and hope and love be sustained. We remember, we move, and within that, we need to be respected to have the courage and strength to move forward, not to retreat back from. You show me a man fully alive in his masculinity, I'll show you a man who is secure and confident in God's respect of him and his wife's respect and desire that allows him to step out in courage to become who he was born, created to be. Because she was made for love. Let's start with ladies. Guys, I think you would all would agree with this passage. Ecclesiastes 9.9. 9. It says, live happily with the woman you love through the fleeting days of life. For the wife God gives you is your best reward down here for all your earthly toil. Live happily with the woman you love through the fleeting days of life. For the wife God gives you is your best reward down here for your earthly toil. Ladies, listen. I think if we sat down with every man in this room and asked them, do they believe that? That you are the greatest reward that God has given them? They would say, absolutely they're just really terrible at showing it. But what I want to start, ladies, is if you could start in the risks I'm going to ask you to take over the next two weeks to start to believe that even if your husband's terrible at showing it, at the core of his being, he loves you. And he thinks you're the greatest reward God has ever given him. He just needs some help to learn to show it. You dive into this understanding, right? And... <clears throat> Ladies, I want to read some more passages of scripture to you. Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. And ladies, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feel. I want you to see what does it feel like for me to read God's command to your husband? And what does it feel like to think about a man loving you like this? I want you to embrace what that would feel like, okay? Check it out. 
Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. That's a a good start, isn't it? Go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words, his words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk and radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and he pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we're part of his body. And that's why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. Ladies, what if you, what if you could experience that? Did you knew my husband is all out in love for me? His words evoke my beauty. He cherishes, he pampers, he understands. I'm not a woman, but I can guess that would feel great. See, the words there, in the words in Colossians 3.19 that say, and you husbands must, there it is again, it's a command, must love your wives and never treat them harshly. It's the word agape. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard sermons on it before. It means unconditional. It means pure, unselfish, right? Selfless, pure, unconditional, agape love. What God is saying here and what, what Paul is saying is, husbands, you need to unconditionally love your wives. Unconditionally love your wives. You say, Darren, listen. I've heard these sermons before but you don't know the woman I live with. She's so mean. And there's this and there's that. And, you know, I heard you guys are talking about, you know, the S word here. Like, that was cool back in like 92 when it happened, but I'm supposed to unconditionally love this woman. Yeah, you are. See, because when you say something like, well, if maybe I would get a little respect around my house. Maybe she would understand and maybe she would do this. If you, if you know what, if all these conditions could be met, then maybe I could unconditionally love my wife. Well, that, that's foolishness, right? If it's unconditional, it means it's without condition. Now, I'm not saying unconditional acceptance of everything she does. I'm not saying unconditional approval of everything she does. I'm not saying unconditional affection. I'm I'm saying unconditional love. It means unconditional patience and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and self-control. Like we could go through the list, right? We have it. Love is patient. It's kind. Unconditional kindness. Love is not jealous, jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Unconditional humility then, right? It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up. That means unconditional perseverance, right? It never loses faith. That means unconditional hope. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. See, so often, guys, when we get in that crazy cycle and we choose defensiveness and stonewalling and we pull back from our wives, they often interpret our silence as hostility. And when God has called us to remember, remember love and move towards our wife, 
to let her know I will unconditionally be here. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am unconditionally here for you to protect, to be patient, to love, even though I'm scared out of my mind of you right now. It allows your wife to be everything God's created her to be as a woman. But it's terrifying. And what would it look like if we started to say, you know what, I don't, I don't even know I don't do it very well. And that's why God commands us, right? He doesn't command women to unconditionally respect or unconditionally love their husbands. You want to know why? Because women do love well. It's natural. We're commanded to unconditionally love because women actually do it well. And when we can learn to unconditionally love them the way that God unconditionally loves us, we'll be amazed at the beauty we begin to see evolving and manifesting in front of us. So, okay, Darren, well, we've heard sermons about this before. Obviously, you know, in the marriage sermons, we talk about the unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love. And usually what happens is we talk about it. We beat the guys up for being terrible at it, which they are. And then on the way home, you confirm the pastor's sermon on your way home with your critique of five or six ways that the pastor's totally right because you are actually terrible at unconditional love, honey. Right? Aren't you, honey? Aren't you terrible at it? You are, aren't you? Let me, let, let me count the ways. There's this one and that one and this one and that one. And the husband goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. The ladies, he was made for respect. He was made for respect. <clears throat> Anybody ever heard a sermon on unconditional love? Raise your hand. Anyone ever heard a sermon on unconditional respect? Two. Three. I never have. I've never even heard of the phrase until this week. Unconditional respect. It's what your husband was made for. It's what allows him to become who he was born to be. Say, wait a second, that's not true. It's not true because we have a song. I don't know if you've heard it. I don't know if you're in a Motown, if you know Aretha Franklin. came out in 1967, right? It's a woman's anthem. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me, right? You know that song. Sing it with me. R-E-S-P. Don't sing it with me, right? You know the song, all right? <laughs> Respect. Got to give it to me. It's a great woman's anthem. 1967, Valentine's Day, Aretha Franklin recorded. It was released. Since then, it's become an absolute anthem for the feminist movement. Respect. You better show me some respect. Men and women. I'm not saying that women don't need to be respected. They do. See, that's in love. And I'm not saying that men don't need to be loved. I'm talking about the core elements that God has created us for that allow us to move forward. Here's the funny thing about R-E-S-B-E-C-T. Aretha Franklin made it famous. But guess who wrote the song? Otis Redding to his wife about his heart's desire in his marriage when he came home every day to his home. Honey, I just need a little respect. R-E-S-B-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. But since 1967, women have been screaming it from the top of their lungs saying, that's what I need. Because as a woman, it's safer to scream, respect me, than it is to say, love me. You say, dear, my husband doesn't deserve respect. Are you kidding me? Do you see how the way he treats me? He doesn't deserve respect. There's this, and there's that, and there's this, and there's that. He doesn't deserve any respect. And I'll tell you what, I'll start respecting my husband. In fact, I'll start unconditionally respecting my husband when he starts deserving some respect. 
Remember how ridiculous that sounded when we were talking about unconditional love? I'm not talking about unconditional agreement. I'm not talking about unconditional approval. I'm not talking about unconditional affection. I'm talking about unconditional respect. See, ladies, Dr. Emerson says it this way. I love it. He says this, you can be right, ladies, but wrong at the top of your voice. See, it's not about content. It's about facial expression. It's about body language. It's about the way you say it. You're commanded, ladies, to respect your husband because you're not very good at it. Men are commanded to unconditionally love our wives because we're not very good at it. See, men within our culture, male culture is that of a little bit more of an honor-respect culture. Have I talked about fighting yet in this, in this service? No. Okay, that was the last three. Okay. Male culture is a more of a respect culture. How about this? Guys, just let's do a poll. Guys, is it ever okay in a fight to kick another guy in the junk? Huh? Is it? No, it's not. Ask any guy. You get in a fight and you're trying to brutally beat this man up because he's done something to you. Maybe he's robbed your house. Is it ever okay to kick him there? No, it's not. Men, is it ever okay in a fight trying to beat another man up to pull his hair? No, it is not, Darren. That is against the honor code of all men. What about poking them in the eye? No, you cannot. You cannot poke dudes in the eyes, you can't pull their hair, and you can't kick them in the junk. You cannot find a book anywhere that says this is the male code of respect and honor when beating another man up, okay? But if you see a dude get in a fight with another dude and he kicks him down there, all the dudes that hear the story be like, that ain't right. That is not right. That guy broke the man code of honor. Can't do that. Thank you. (laughs) But have you ever seen a girl fight? Girl fights are the scariest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. I've seen some in high school that I didn't want to see. I can't unsee, right? Girls, when you fight each other, there's no honor code. You try to pull literal chunks of people's hair out. You're scalping other human beings in girl fights. Claw, bite, bite. Whatever needs to happen, this person must die, right? God commands you to respect your husband because you don't do it naturally. And so you have to rely on his love and his respect to see what that looks like. Here's the crazy part. Let's jump into this and then we're going we're to close because I, I, I got to close. Men, what would it feel like? We've been talking about how we feel when we read scriptures. Guys, I'm going to read what the, God, what the word of God invites your wives to step into. And I'm going to see how you would feel if, if you were respected like this. Be good wives to your husbands responsive to their needs. There are households who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, husbands who, indifferent as they are by any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham would address him as my dear husband. 
You'll be daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. Like Sarah. You guys remember Abraham and Sarah's story? He deserved a lot of respect, didn't he, Abraham? The time, remember, when they came into a new area of town and, and he convinced everybody that his wife was actually his sister and, and go ahead and let, she could just go ahead and the other guys could just take advantage of her? That, was a, that, was a, that deserved a ton of respect, didn't it? Or what about a few chapters later in their story, when he did it again? Abraham didn't deserve Sarah's respect. But the word of God is saying that even when she probably had to say some really truthful and difficult things about how it felt and how unloved and scared she felt when he sent her away and lied and said she was his sister, that she at least maybe started the interaction with, my dear husband, let me tell you by what you did, did to my heart. There was a glimmer of light of change for my wife and I that we have yet to figure out. And I'm not preaching this sermon from a place of superiority. I wish we weren't doing this series at all. A few years ago, I once again did something really, really unloving to my wife. And her go-to for years prior to that was to get angry and scared and scream and yell, which... I became defensive and just tried to get away from her as possible, quickly as possible. But she flipped the script and what she did is she came with her hurt and she chose respect and she looked me in the eye and she quietly and she gently explained to me how my unloving actions broke her heart. And you know what happened to me? I was disarmed and I melted at the pain of my lover. For the first time, I could respond to her pain and not her anger. And I wanted to move close and I wanted to heal and I wanted to help and I wanted to fix because I knew I was wrong and I wasn't defensive and I didn't stonewall because she presented it in a respectful way. Didn't fix everything. It was a little glimmer of light to get off the crazy cycle. We're going to talk about this next week. And here's the deal. Where's our motivation come from? As we close, it comes from Jesus. Guys, how well do you deserve to be unconditionally loved by God? You don't. But he unconditionally loves you every day of your life. Ladies, how well do you deserve to be unconditionally respected by God? You don't. But it's the way he treats you every day you're in his presence. So maybe this week we could turn our eyes to Jesus and say, Jesus, could you help me take a risk to love how you do? Because here's the deal, guys. You have developed tactics that are working for you. Men, you don't know how to deal with being disrespected. You don't know how to deal with the fear in your life. And so you become defensive and you stonewall and you shut down. And it's at least kept you alive this long, but it's not love. And ladies, you don't like the fear and insecurity of feeling like you're not loved. And so you become critical and contemptuous and you attack disrespectfully your husband. And guess what? It's worked for you because it at least gets his lazy butt off the couch to do something you ask him to do 62 times that he hasn't done already. 
And you don't know that you want to take the risk to learn to love differently than what might be working for you. But here's the thing. If you're like me, what you're realizing is that defensiveness and critique, unlove and disrespect, it's not filling my soul with the kind of love and the marriage that I dream about. So what if for the next two weeks we could just try an experiment, a, a risk, to say, I'm gonna to try to learn what it means to, to unconditionally love, and I'm gonna to try to learn what it means to unconditionally respect. And maybe little by little, we might, might start to see each other love one another the way Jesus loves us. Jesus, we thank you for the perfect example that you are. We respond to this through worship and song, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen and encourage and inspire us to love like you. In Jesus' name.